kind of looks like you could pick him up by his face and just comb your hair with him. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Books We Loved podcast through the Troy Public Library and uh, Olivia. Today we are talking to Assistant City Manager Bob Bruner, who will probably fire us if we don't do a good job. That is a really encouraging way to start the episode, <laughs> Olivia. There is no pressure now. Yep. I'm not starting to sweat. Our jobs, our livelihoods, all what? ride on whether or not this is a good I hope we conversation well. about Harold and the Purple Crayon. I have never felt so much terror in my life while also thinking about children's books. So thanks for that, Olivia. You're welcome. <laughs> you are so welcome. I feel like the best way to start a podcast is just complete abject terror. Like, oh. I want to feel trepidation. I want to feel like our lives are on the line. You know, otherwise, what's the point? I think next week when we record again, I'm going to hide behind these um, half walls that we use for a sound barrier, and I'm going to be dressed as Chucky, and I'm going to test that theory <laughs> and see how you like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing is, is that Bob Bruner was an amazing guest. He is. He was... People are going to listen to this and they're going to be like, I wish my assistant city manager was that cool and supportive mm -hmm. and interesting. Mm -hmm. We don't want to toot our own horn here in Troy, but toot toot. Jealous. All right, let's start. Giddy up. Bob, thank you for being here. Would you like to tell our delightful listeners anything about your job? Sure. I'm the uh, assistant city manager. So the city manager runs the day-to-day -day operations of the city. He's the glue between the, uh, the city council and the staff, mm -hmm. um, which is a job I've done before in um, Ferndale for four years and Birmingham for three years. And so here in Troy, I'm kind of the guy behind the guy, mm -hmm. and um, uh, I get to work with a really great group of department heads, like library director Emily Dumas, um, recreation director, city engineer, um, department head level folks, and um, I get to focus more on managing people and processes and, and less on um, working with the city council, although I do a lot of that mm. too, but... Um, been here in Troy since 2019. I have a really great team um, and and really enjoy it and was really pleasantly surprised a couple of weeks ago when I saw the library e-newsletter in my inbox and learned that we had a podcast. I was like, Surprise. oh my goodness, our <laughs> library has a podcast and I didn't even know it. And so I um, immediately listened to, I think there was two episodes out at the time and uh, been a long time podcast listener and you know just kind of interested in podcasts and so immediately reached out and like i i want to do your podcast never been on a podcast or that was an exciting day before. for us mm -hmm. bob when you reached out we were so excited <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's a good sign all right so today we are talking about harold and the purple crayon by crockett johnson you loved harold and the purple crayon when you were young bob I did, and when I was listening to the first episode, it was Where the Wild Things yeah. Are, mm -hmm. and Harold and the Purple Crayon just like, popped into my head. I, it's one of those things like I hadn't thought about it in a long, long time, mm -hmm. but given that stimulus of like child book, that was mm -hmm. like my yeah. response, 
And um, so I've been, uh, you know, didn't overthink it or anything. Just, you know, that's a book. That's what I want to do. Track down a copy. Um, read it last night. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's not a very long read. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, I actually read it to my wife. So I got to um, read aloud kind a of thing. story time. <laughs> right. I you get got to, to do, do story, story time. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um, I think it appealed to my imagination. You know, when I was young, um, you know, we'd I'd play outside with my sister and was very into Star Wars and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, playing outside in the winter and pretending we were on Hoth or that sort of thing. And so I think um, a lot of imaginative play when I was young. Mm-hmm. And this book kind of, I don't know if it gave me the idea or just kind of confirmed that, like, yeah, you know, you can imagine anything. And, mm-hmm. um, and it also kind of perplexed me, too, because, like, he he's the master of his own destiny with the purple crayon, but he, you know, manages to fall in the water and mm-hmm. fall off a mountain mm-hmm. and, you know, all, and so I think that kind of um, struck me as being, like, odd or whatever it's like how how could you let something bad happen to yourself when you're <laughs> you're in control of your imagination and your purple crayon yeah but, um yeah so i think it, it just really um inspired me to to you know be imaginative and uh you don't have to have a lot um of star wars toys or yeah. other stuff mm-hmm. to uh to have fun we talked about that in our Island of the Blue Dolphins episode, that creative, like, imaginative play. Mm-hmm. Um, because Lauren would play, would she play Island of the Blue Dolphins? Or was that just me going on and on about playing Julia the Wolves? I think that I was I think me. it was you talking about Julia the Wolves. Julia yeah. the Wolves, yeah. And we talked about what makes for a good like imaginative play story. I don't think I ever played Star Wars. Did you? Um, we did not. Uh, we love Star Wars, but we were really into playing G.I. Joe. Um, mm-hmm. And uh-huh. I was always the bad girl that helped um what's the snake eyes name um snake Snake eyes Eyes. yeah Yeah. snake eyes so i was the bad female person on snake eyes team it was always me and i think my brother that's next in age and then the older kids all got to be gi joe and this game always ended with me hanging from a fence by my shorts i don't know what happened (laughs) but i would be climbing over and i was young and i would try and like leap (laughs) off the fence like the older kids did snagged like multiple times never learned if my parents had a camera at that point in my life i'm sure there would be pictures that i could put on awkwardfamilyphotos.com but fortunately my parents camera was broken in those days but um no ours was less star wars but it's interesting, you know, I've had conversations with my best friend's kids who are older, college, um, high school age, and then my nieces and nephews that are a little bit younger, elementary age, and they always ask about, you know, what it was like when we were growing up and everything. And one of the things I always say is that I'm really glad we grew up before the internet and before cell phones because we, it was imaginative play. Like mm-hmm. my parents limited the amount of TV we watched. Um, we didn't have a VCR until I was old you know upper upper elementary mm-hmm. and so it was very much playing in the woods and having that imagination and doing all those things so mm-hmm. i'm always very grateful for that and it's fun to watch other what in the <laughs> i think there's a volcano Just erupting outside pause for a second now they wheeled that cart past us twice and came back i'm like i don't know how much of that sound is going to get picked up and i know you can edit this part out but uh-huh. yeah it's just like bam 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 right outside the door I'm like, oh 
That's quite the, <laughs> my train of thought is gone. Quite the yes. sound booth you have here. Yeah, I know. Right. It's a little bit of an SNL skit happening right. right now. It is. We're the NPR skit from SNL. <laughs> 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 but yes, just imaginative play. Um, do you think, Bob, um, going back to what you were saying about Harold, kind of, he's the master of the story and he is drawing the things that are happening, but he also draws the calamities that he mm-hmm. has to draw himself out of. What do you think that kind of speaks to? I guess I'm sort of curious what other people think about that. Uh, you know, like I said, it kind of, I, I kind of a type A myself, mm-hmm. the, the kind to see trouble and avoid it. Yeah. I guess I try not to read too much into that. Sure. Um, but I think you can interpret it. Things happen and mm-hmm. you can, you can be okay. You can, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. not everything will come to a, a bad end. Mm-hmm. Good message for kids' books, right? Yeah, and you can get yourself out of t- tough scrapes. Yes. And he's by himself when he's doing the drawings. Mm-hmm. And his you know, there's no one there to, like, swoop in and save him, so he just, like, uses his resourcefulness and his cleverness. Yeah, he's self-reliant. Mm-hmm. And there's, his crayon. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's no adults in the book, um, save for the the policeman that he draws. Oh my gosh, I love him. He's got the crazy, he looks like a crazy scarecrow, which yeah. sort of scares me a little bit. Crazy uh-huh. police scarecrow. And and Harold's kind of dismissive of him because he's mm-hmm. like, well, he was just pointing in the direction I was going anyway. Mm-hmm. So I love that part. Yeah. Because what? how old is Harold supposed to be? That's the thing is I was reading through this. I'm like, is he supposed mm. to be a five-year-old? Is he supposed to be a six-year-old? So they have turned it into a movie again, and it's coming out in early 2023. And I was reading something today, and I'm not 100% sure if this was accurate, but they were saying that they were originally had thought of gearing Harold to be like a four-year-old. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was really interesting because I feel like five is more when you start sort of turning that corner, you're getting ready for school. I feel like you're, you could problem solve a little bit better at five than maybe at four. So I'll be kind of curious what they, what they decide to do with that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I guess we should mention because we, can I see the book for a yeah. second, Olivia? I guess we should mention because we kind of did with um, where the wild, wild things are in case people haven't read this book. So Harold and the Pur- Purple Crayon. Um, it is um, a kind of off brownish color. Harold is drawn in brown, and it's minimal text. It's about a sentence or two per page. And it starts with our, our uh, protagonist, Harold, is a little boy that has a purple crayon, and he draws the action of the story as he's imagining it happening. So, um, for example... So he draws a shortcut, and it says, a shortcut led right to where Harold thought a forest should be. He didn't want to get lost in the woods, so he made a very small forest with just one tree in it. It turned out to be an apple tree. So kind of going back to what Bob's saying, even though he's in charge of things, there's almost this element of surprise as he's drawing things of what he's going to draw. So just kind of wanted to mention that in case our listeners haven't um, read the book yet, and I hope people do because we have a few copies here at Troy that people can check out. You know, it makes me think of a couple of things. Your question about, Amanda, about why he would draw bad things happening to him if he mm-hmm. gets to create the world. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think about you playing the evil villain in the G.I. Joe game. Like, kids play has to have stakes or it's not interesting. So yes. if you don't have bad things happen, it's not interesting play. Like, you have to have the bad things happen mm. to be able to, like, overcome them. Yes. And so there's, I think the story had to have stakes, too. Mm-hmm. And then his surprise at things just happening, I think, not to get too um, 
English class-ish. I'm going there. Follow me. We're going there. (laughs) Um, Is it's like the your creative abilities. So like when you're writing a story, a lot of authors will say that they didn't really write it. They just kind of let it happen and they just kind of followed along. They followed along. Yeah. Yeah. And so it turned out to be an apple tree and that was just like the right thing for the story. So that's what they wrote. The, the question about Harold's age is Mm -hmm. an interesting one. It just, I hadn't thought about it. What did you think? I, I, he's very, he's very small in relationship to what I don't know because it's just him. He's the only real thing in the whole book, but he appears very small. He's in um, like a onesie or footy pajamas. Like a That's baby exactly what pajamas. I was going to say. He's in the old school footy pajamas. Yeah, which makes him seem younger. Like yeah, a baby. the but the and the other thing that just occurred to me is that he never speaks. Mm-hmm. Um, it says he decided to ask a policeman. But there's, but there's no quotes. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. You don't actually hear him speak, mm-hmm. which I think, kind of makes him seem pre-verbal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so he's like potentially old enough to walk and wield a crayon, but maybe not even old enough to talk. Have a, have a ton of full sentences. Yeah. Right. So like you know, four-year-olds can walk and talk. Mm-hmm. Um. Two and a half, I feel like, is where they're starting to become more vocal, more sentences. But you could even say two, two and a half, depending yeah. on the child. Three, yeah. If it's a kid that's not, that's a little slower to the verbal game. Yeah, I, I think there's kind of a interesting age range that Harold could potentially be because he's got quite a lot of imagination mm-hmm. for a little pre-verbal kid. So mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think he's that young, but the way the book is written. Where he doesn't actually talk, he, you know, the narrator mm-hmm. is speaking for him. It's kind of, I don't know, makes it an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. I wonder sometimes if authors do that on purpose just so that kids can identify with something easier. If it's not super specific, like a book about a kid going to kindergarten, well, would a preschooler sit through that? Yes. Would a first grader want to hear a story about going to kindergarten? Maybe not. I mean, it kind of depends on the kid too. So sometimes I think it's nice when authors don't specify like certain things so that more people can see themselves in in those shoes. Mm -hmm. I really think we should bring um, Harold and the Purple Crayon back and write, like, Harold went to college and have, like, some crazy adventures. Harold on Wall Street. (laughs) Turn into this real adult series. (laughs) I guess somebody actually just published a Harold book, like, two years ago, I think. I saw something in my searching today, and um, it was funny, on... on, um, A novelist, it was rated with one star out of five, I guess, so I was like, oh, did not... What the Harold reboot? Yeah, the Harold reboot. Mm. So, <laughs> so hard um, to, I'm uh, gonna hard pass on that. I don't even yeah. think they own it. So, mm. well, I saw that they made a play out of it, and I actually yeah. did. You see that too? Yeah. There was a review that I thought was the reviewer was took Harold very seriously, and no. it, this was like a children's play. Mm. <laughs> They're writing this. like it's Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, and he wrote this like long review. But there was an interesting quote in it where he said, most of the great books for young children, such as Harold and the Purple Crayon, are based on the very simplest of ideas. That's why everybody thinks they're so easy to write. (laughs) But if Harold appears to be just about, oh, he said a four-year-old with a colorful writing implement who goes around drawing stuff he likes and then playing inside his creations, the follically challenged youngster is, I swear, an everyman. 
a moral signpost, a talisman, maybe even a prophet. And if you sit where I sit, Harold also offers a burst of what life takes away as you age. The ability to dream something up, draw it, and then step inside that very thing and be entirely happy until the next idea arrives like clockwork. Harold knows not rejection, fear, scarce resources, insecurity, artists block, the barriers created by past choices. He just imagines, draws, and then lives. Hmm. I know. At first I was like, okay, a prophet. And then as I read, I was like, Follically actually- challenged. <laughs> like that too. Can we give credit to that author, whoever said yeah. that? Oh, yeah. That's going to be my newest insult to people. You're follically challenged. <laughs> <laughs> Again, pointing towards a, a younger Harold. Yeah. yeah. Okay, this was Chris Jones from the Chicago Tribune wrote that. Well, there you go. Good job, Chris. But yeah, I thought it was um, hmm. I thought it was interesting that like absorption in whatever you're doing, which is typical of kids, mm-hmm. right? You know, they're coloring with all of their brain and focus, and how you do kind of lose that as you get older. Yeah, that may be part of the reason why it kind of called back to me when I was listening to that first podcast and thinking Harold's life is you know pretty simple. He's unencumbered by mm-hmm. um, you know so much and can just pull that crayon out and and just kind of go wherever it takes him. He doesn't have a plan. When he first sets out, he sets out, you know, and he doesn't want to get lost, so he walks straight, but that gets boring. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, the uh, story develops uh, from there. Um, so, yeah, and we don't, ha- we don't have a lot of time to just kind of wander around wherever our crayon takes us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, it reminds me of our talk about survival books and it's kind of yes. like a survival book because it's kids, like, yeah. it's no, there's no human drama. Like you don't have to deal with your bully friends or like your whatever loneliness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just, yeah, it was weird when I was looking for Rita, like Rambo came up for this one. No, I'm just kidding. What Rambo? Rambo. Survival <laughs> stories. <laughs> just joking. Yeah, that was going to be my Rita like. It does make me think of that movie. If you enjoyed Harold. Bob, <laughs> how old were you when you enjoyed this book? Do you remember? Were you parents still reading to you age or were you kind of, was this an early book that you read to yourself? Um, I, you know, I should ask my mom, but I, I I have a kind of a sense memory of my mother reading this book to me. Okay. Yeah. Did you read it to your kids? Do you have kids? (laughs) I have a daughter who's 15 Uh and I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't think I read it when I was a kid. Did you? Um... I don't know how old I was, but I've read it before. Yeah. I don't know if I read it when I was in grad school or if I read it when I was little. I don't have a strong memory of this. Mm. There's a good chance. My my mother and my daughter's mother mm-hmm. are both librarians. Mm-hmm. So there's a good chance this book was read to her, even though I don't remember doing it myself. Yeah. Interesting. I just wondered, because I wondered if this was a book of its time. Like, um, I know this was, when was it written? The 60s? Uh, 40s. 40s? Oh, I'm sorry, 50s. This came out in 55. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Yeah. sorry, I was thinking of the carrot seed, which came out earlier. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 50s. So I wondered if if kids still like it, if, you know, because it's so minimalist and it's so quiet. Mm -hmm. It's still adventurous, though. Still adventurous, you're right. It is quiet, but it's interesting. Like, that's one thing as I was reading it again a couple weeks ago, it's like, 
it's stimulating enough for me as an adult to want to keep turning the pages because I wanted to see what he was going to draw next. Right. Mm -hmm. You want to see like when he starts wiggling his crayon and it becomes a waves of the ocean. It's like, well, is there going to be like a shark? Is there going to be a sailboat, whatever? But yes, it definitely is extremely minimalist. I feel like sometimes certain authors, illustrators, I should say illustrators nowadays, I feel like there are certain books where the illustrations are so busy Mm. that it hurts my eyes to look at them. (laughs) It's like over, it's like when I tried to watch the lake, movie good example like the Mm. amount of sound and flashing lights on the screen and how fast stuff kept happening i had to turn it off i'm like this is making my head hurt it's too busy Mm. and maybe that makes me like old but i like sort of gentler picture books like that where it's more imagination less bells and whistles and craziness um going back to what bob said at the beginning about um you referenced thinking about harold and the purple crayon um when you heard the first episode about where the wild things are, I just wanted to throw this out that Maurice Sendak actually illustrated eight of Ruth Krauss's books. Now, Ruth Krauss is an author, um, same time period. She was uh, Crockett Johnson's wife. So Maurice Sendak actually got to know the couple as he was illustrating Ruth's books and he started spending a lot of time at their house. And he said, he would later say in an interview, I think in the 2000s, Maurice Sendak, Uh, he would say that this time in his life was what he considered his apprenticeship into the world of kids' books. So Mm. we've kind of come full circle. We started with where the wild things are. And, you know, it's like Crockett Johnson's, like, in Ruth Krauss are the Jedi Masters. Mm. And uh, Marie Sendak was, what would they be, Padawans, right? Yeah. A Padawan of theirs. Speaking um, your language. I'm, I'm going back to our, we, we were referencing Star Wars <laughs> Sure, yeah, yeah no, I'm I like it. Too, I like so. it, yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I thought that was very cool. We usually kind of share some facts that we learned about yeah. our authors or illustrators. So if you want. Yeah, I think. I, share them, girl. I know. I was just going to wonder what uh, what the overlap. I mean, I guess there is overlap. Yeah just in the story that it's a kid who goes out on an adventure by himself mm-hmm. and through his own wit and daring makes his way home again. Out. Solves the problems, takes on the monsters. But in Morris Sendak, he actually does come home again. But in Harold, yeah. it's like, a, but a home of his own making, like that's not his real house, is it? Well, Isn't it? <laughs> well, that's the thing. He can't find it. And it's like... I want him to have drawn a, fa- a really creepy family that looked like the policeman with the weird scarecrow <laughs> arms sticking out, but he didn't. I love how the book ends where he draws the covers up. Yeah, yeah he that's draws cute. them up. Yeah, Look at I you. was like, funny. It, there's no reason to believe that's not his room because on the f- the first page where he shows up, it's it's just him in a crayon and some purple squiggles. Yeah, there's nothing. He is there's the nothing. only real thing yeah. in the whole book. Everything else is purple crayon. So do you think it is, or do you think this is just further, I don't want to say delusion, further imagination? He's called a child delusional. (laughs) Harold could exist on a a completely different plane from from where we're at. That could be as real as it gets where Harold exists. That's, That's sad. But... Wouldn't you like to live in a world where you can purple crayon your life all around you? I'm not a very good drawer, so my stuff would be very concerning. It would be like, <laughs> and then she built her own house, and it's like this sad, like, canoe. It's falling over. That I sleep under. Well, that, that that's another thing about the book. Like, there's nothing in here you couldn't draw. It's true. There's there's nothing complex. That is um, actually very, very true. Th- 
I feel like you could actually like to draw the sailboat, Bob, not to interrupt you. Mm -hmm. I feel like if you flip back a page to your left, yep, where it starts on those pages. I almost, when I reread this, I looked at this and I thought, man, this is almost like one of those drawing books for kids where it's like, okay, draw, like start by drawing like a line and then Uh come down around the person and then draw across. Yeah, Yeah. it's almost like he's giving you a how-to guide to your imagination with this book. Yeah. Interesting. No, the, the, I think the most intricate drawings, are, I mean, maybe the pies yeah. or the when he draws all the, the basically the city that yeah. he made a big building full of windows. But and he made does lots just do rectangles right. for the most part. So yeah. it's like if you can draw a rectangle, you can make a cityscape, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool because it's kind of encouraging that when you're a little kid, you could be like, oh, I could draw that. Yeah, I you could draw, draw a cityscape. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling inspired right now. In fact, I'm like, I kind of want to draw my own cityscape. Draw your own cityscape, girl. I'm going to. I was just loving how he made nine pies. Mm-hmm. There's no reason. He just want, he made nine pies just because Harold wanted nine pies. It's just random. Well, and they're, they're yes. his favorites. Yep, his favorites. And he, but he only eats like a giant slice out of each one. He doesn't eat them all. And then he makes a hungry moose and a deserving porcupine. No like we don't need any more description than that. It's just because he wanted to draw a moose and a porcupine. There doesn't have to be a reason for it to be a moose and a Not porcupine. to like go too off topic, but I feel like that moose needs to eat more pie. You that can see his ribs. Ribs is showing. That's what I'm saying. He drew the moose a little oh, too hungry. skinny. It is a, a hungry bony. moose. You should call him a malnourished moose. <laughs> Porcupine looks like you could pick him up by his face and just comb your hair with it. Like, give me the perfect brush. Like, just don't poke too hard and none of the quills will come out. Look at that. I started my cityscape. Linda, uh-huh. you're doing a great job. Thanks. So for listeners who don't get to see my pretty cityscape, it's a rectangle full of a bunch of squares. That are the windows. That's my first building. That's exactly how my boss is going to want me to spend my afternoon. It's just adding to this sheet <laughs> continuing my cityscape just getting absorbed in your creative practice i will take it home with me i will take it home can i read you a maurice sendak quote about harold and the purple crayon since uh, we're kind of kind of talked about him earlier and i love where the wild things are so um so in an interview uh the interviewer was asking him about what he what he thought about the book having worked with um ruth kraus and, and getting to know crockett johnson the author Um, Maurice Sendak says of Harold and the Purple Crayon, Harold does exactly as he pleases. There are no adults to demonstrate or remonstrate. It comes out of the same theory. Let the kid do his own thing. Let him have fun. It's fun. It's not to teach. There are no lessons in Harold. Mm. You have fun. You do what you like. And no one's going to punish you. You're just a kid. (laughs) That's That's like the best way to describe it. Absolutely. But it's interesting because in Where the Wild Things Are, there is a punishment. That's how the book starts. Yeah. So it's interesting to me that he's like talking about how great it is. There's no punishment, but that's how he starts his own book. All right. Interesting. We can unpack and go all kinds of psycho. It reminds analyzing. me of when I was running the teen writing workshops here and mm-hmm. I, I still do them, but I used to do them more frequently and the kids, I felt like the point of the workshop was for them to just try something because they're such high achieving kids for the most part and they're so good in school that I would be like I'd have to say over and over I'm not grading you Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a little guidance but you don't have to do it you can do whatever you want and it was almost like it was too late like they they just had such a hard time with it and they were like but where is the rubric (laughs) like there's no rubric like you can just literally just write whatever you want and some kids could do it and some kids couldn't do it like they needed 
And it, and it is sort of like, I think you have to have that freedom early, Mm -hmm. that unstructured creative time early. Yeah. I, I, I I would struggle with really assignment. Yeah. Or or, or like, right. I want what, what are the, Mm -hmm. and if you don't give me guidance or, or guidelines or something, I'll Google them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yes. That's how uh, to be right. like, you might not offer these, but Google will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you like that constraint, like some rules, some clarity. You have to. Yeah. Cause I'm type A too. And yeah. you need, you need um, something hemming you in a little bit or else it's like to my brain, it's utter chaos. Yeah. And I can't handle that. I took a writing class at Oakland when I did my undergrad in English. And um, one of my professors, it was, um, I think it was called biographical writing or something. So it was all you're writing about your life, things that were, that were happening. One of the exercises she would make us do is we had to go home, sit down at our laptops, computers, and you had to set a timer. And she's like, I don't care if it's three sentences. It's all that comes to mind. And once you set a timer and I'm trusting you to write for 15 solid minutes. And she said, you stop at 15 minutes, even if you're mid-sentence. You mm. stop with that word, and I don't want any punctuation. Automatic writing. I, I made the struggled. kids do that. They hated me. I struggled me. so <laughs> hard because you want to capitalize. You want to yeah. add semicolons and, and so that you're whatever. But she was trying to teach us that strain of consciousness, stream of, stream of consciousness mm. writing of just yeah. how your brain sometimes works when you're overtired or whatever. And it's, it is hard to have no rules and I stopped class, doing it because yeah, there were kids so who just I loved automatic writing and because I would just yeah. be like and you just yeah. like write whatever crazy kids some kids hated it like it was just so hard for them to just get past that like but what's right like that yeah. inner sensor and those kids will never write for Saturday Night Live sorry your friends <laughs> <laughs> just kidding you take improv classes yeah, seriously improv oh my god yeah a blank page is um pretty terrifying thing mm-hmm. for for me like i need an idea or um you know something that i feel strongly about in order to mm-hmm. to write or or something like that but my daughter who is also pretty type a in mm-hmm. a lot of ways um she has enjoyed writing from a very young age and she had a school assignment and it was you rolled for a writing prompt yeah. or something. Yeah, we had those little dice too. Yeah. Yeah. And and she wrote this um elaborate story about our cats. Because um we have had a cat at our house since like two thousand seventeen. And then I was uh remarried last year and my wife's two cats came to mm. live with us. Mm-hmm. And so it was a story about our our cat Calypso and one of the new cats. And our cat's kind of crabby and doesn't want to be friends with the new cats. Yeah. And, and so it was this really <laughs> like interesting adventure of, you know, the life of these cats and mm-hmm. what was was happening. And, and I read it and I was just like, wow, that's so, <laughs> so creative. <Imaginative>. Yeah, so imaginative. Um <laughs> But I think she started writing at a at an early age, so mm-hmm. she hasn't lost that creativity and uh, uh, imagination. Yeah, I remember that from the kids. I'd read their stuff and I'd be like, "This is amazing!" Like mm-hmm. they would write these like incredible human drama stories, and it would be like 
I was like, how do you know people already? Like, yeah. you're just a baby. Yes. <laughs> Seriously. They know. They're watching. <laughs> they're you're a literal child. How do you know this already? Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I couldn't believe how good some of the stories were with the, was the Halloween Oh yeah, stories contest last year. Yes. And I read the, I think I was responsible for K to K through second grade, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And they were so, I mean, kindergartners, and they'd be like short, very short stories. It might just be like a long paragraph, but I was like, I would never have thought these things in kindergarten. I love reading the kids' stories. Some of them were so funny. They're so good. Mm. I brought an activity. Would you like to do a quick activity? Absolutely. So in my research, listeners, I'd like you to be playing along. Harold and the Purple Crayon was listed as number 11 Ooh. on Time Magazine's top 100 picture books of all time. So you yeah. just missed the top 10. So I would like you to guess what the top 10 were. I'll give you a couple clues. They're all picture books. Mm-hmm. Amanda, are you copying? No, I'm not copying. I'm looking down on my page. Eyes on your own page. My eyes are on my... Eyes are on my own page. <laughs> the oldest is from 1941, and the most recent is from 2004. Mm. And if you have been a listener to the podcast, you will at least know one of them. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you have two minutes. Do they have to be in the right order? So here's the thing. You get a point for every one that's on the list, and if it's in the correct placement... I th- you get extra points. Yeah, I think I, I put it at the top of the page. I can't remember. Picture yeah. books right now. Oh, good. I don't feel so bad. <laughs> I'm a children's librarian and I'm struggling, you guys. I'm I like, know, right? That's a classic. Yeah. Oh, two are by the same author. Which author? That. Come on. I'll say the first name and the last name start with the same letter. I'm going off script now and giving clues I didn't even anticipate giving. That's not helpful. I'm just trying to do it so Bob feels better about himself. <laughs> oh, thank <laughs> give, you. Give him the clue, which author. <laughs> Let me see. Um, or even just give us, like, the first name. One of them I've never... I know that would give it away completely. Uh, the I, One of them I've never heard of Okay. in my life. The rest of them I've heard of. Um, an illustrator of one of them appeared on the podcast before. An illustrator? We mentioned on the... Yeah, so the person who perhaps wrote one of the books that we talked about in the past illustrated this other book. You're talking about Maurice Sendak as an illustrator for somebody else. Yeah, but I didn't know that. So if you don't know that, don't feel bad. Okay, I'll, I'll let you know. The person who shows up twice on here has been a little bit controversial in the last few years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait, these are just picture books? These are all just picture. Well, is that a picture book? Maybe that's not a picture book. You're talking about Little House on the Prairie? No. Okay. No, that's. Oh, yeah. Did he get it? Uh huh. How can you read my chicken scratch upside down, even? Wait a oh, good. How did he get it? His mom that's was fair. a librarian. I am a librarian, <laughs> <laughs> a children's librarian. I'm trying to think what's been controversial the last couple of years. Oh, what hasn't been? Yeah, true. Well, that's that's hard to narrow it like, down. Which one? I think these are all picture books. I guess that one's maybe not a picture book. That one just has illustrations in it. Oh, it's not go the something to sleep, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, that should not be on that list. That's a book for adults about children. Adults. Is it? Oh my God, I'm just failing. Would you like any more time? Yes, I only have three out of ten. I'm embarrassed right now. I'm having like some, some brain fart moments here. Two of them have the moon in the title. 
One is the day, a day of the week. That's the whole title? Uh-huh. One is a retelling, a comedic retelling of a, like a fairy, I guess a fairy tale, fable, old story. A comedic retelling uh-huh. of an old story for yeah. children. Is a newer one? Yeah, but it's um, not as new as I thought. No, that came out in the late 90s, if it's what I think it is. All right, are you ready? Oh, I know what you're talking about. No, hang on a second. <laughs> I'm going to mess up the name, but I know what book it is. It's got a really discombobulated name. Took her a minute to get going. Yeah, now, now she's... These are totally wrong, but I'm just, like, panicking. She's writing every better. picture book she's ever known. Yeah, why not? I'm embarrassed I can't think of older books. Because I'm sure a bunch of these are much older. Are you ready? No, yes, I guess. As ready as I'll ever be. Okay, make sure to keep score. Mm -hmm. Number one was Where the Wild Things Are by Maura Senda. that was number one? That was number Mm -hmm. one. I put that as number ten. Number (laughs) two is The Snowy Day by Ezra Jack Keats. Number three was Goodnight Moon by Margaret Wise Brown, the oldest one on the list at 1947. Mm -hmm. I put that as number one. The next was Blueberries for Sal by Robert oh, McClough in 1948. I did not realize that was that old. Yeah, it's old. Yeah. Uh, number five was Adventures of Little Bear by Els Holmlundnerik, which was illustrated by Maury Sendak. Ding, 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 ding. And they turned into that horrible PBS show because his illustrations were beautiful. I loved those books as a kid. Oh. The illustrations are really pretty. Little bear stands. Yeah, and it has like the brown. Yeah, everything was the dark colors. It was greens and browns and whites. Such a pretty book. Number six was Owl Moon by Jane Roland Yolen. No, that was on there? Yeah, 1987. That's funny. I'm using that for a story time in October. Number Hmm. seven was The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein. Oh, my God. You should have given us a clue for that one. I gave you multiple clues. I said it was... Two S Nate. No, I said it was two. Bob's yeah, nodding. I, I, I. He got it. I was thinking of the author, but I couldn't. I couldn't think of any of the titles. Yeah, that was. Super uh, sad. You wrote the Giving Tree, didn't you? No. Oh, then I misread your, your chicken scratch upside down. Oh. <laughs> I was about to say, how are you reading that upside down when you accuse me of cheating? I couldn't even read that from the side. <laughs> uh, eight was the true story of the three little pigs by John Shezka. Okay, I put True Tales of Three Pigs. Do I get that one? That's acceptable. Okay. <laughs> Nine was Tuesday by David Wisner. Which oh, I've never... I put Saturday. <laughs> I was just just trying to stretch for anything Tuesday. Mm. I was thinking Friday, but that's a different thing. What's Tuesday? Did you ever read that? Um, uh, David Wisner's books are a lot of them are wordless picture books. Yeah, that's what it said. It didn't have it didn't have words. And mm. it's what happens in this. I think it's. Two kids? What happens on, like, their Tuesday during the summer, I think. Compelling. Mm. I like the pictures in his books, but oh, I wish really? there were words. I don't like wordless picture books, personally. No, it gives me the creeps. What's the one well, I read? it's supposed to encourage kids to tell the story, and I'm like, next. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling the story. to read this story, kids. Who's a librarian? Kid? No. And then the last <laughs> one is Where the Sidewalk Ends by Shel uh, Silverstein, 1974. <sighs> so what um, points did you get? Not enough. Where the sidewalk? I got is. two, but two. neither one were in the right order. Which ones did you get? Good night, moon, and where the wild things are. Mm. So I got two, three. I got nine points. You did not. I did. I got true pigs. Where the wild things are. Although I put it down at ten. Good night, moon, and snowy day. And I had snowy day in the right spot. Good job. Because I remember we talked about it. 
Yeah, we talked yeah. about it. So she had a where the wild things advantage. are. So that was unfair. I mean, I'd be embarrassed for you if if I beat you. I He's would relieved. be too. Yeah. I'd be like, Olivia, I don't feel good. I'm going home. <laughs> tell my boss. <laughs> um, can I tell you some things I added to the list that yes. were not on? Oh it? yeah, I want to know what you hear what Bob has on his list. Mm-hmm. So I put on very hungry caterpillar, which I cannot yep. believe did not make the list. Yeah. Was that on yours too? Oh yeah, that was the second thing That's I wrote the down one, after good night moon. Baby showers. That's what everybody always gives people at baby showers. Don't yeah. give that to the person. Because they're going to get like seven copies, guys. Mm. Mm-hmm. You don't need that many copies. It's an excellent book. It's one of my favorites. But you just don't need that many copies. So I put Stone Soup on there because it's um, Marsha Brown's retelling of the old, I think it was an old French story, French fairy tale. Um, I love that book. And if you do the Marsha Brown version, it's back when they used minimal colors in kids' picture books. So it's um, like orange and brown is the color in the book. And it's a really lovely retelling of a story. Um, I put an elephant and piggy because classic, although there is no one book called elephant and piggy. I was hoping that I'd catch one of those. Oh yeah. What's his name? Mo Willems. I'm surprised. Maybe this like predated the, I I don't know when this list was out. Maybe it predated, or maybe it's just hasn't been along around long enough to be called a classic. But that when we did our great Trey read, his books were like, kids yeah, just the voted top. and voted and yeah. voted for him. Mm-hmm. And then I also did Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bell. Oh, it's sure. also by Mo Willems because, again, kids love the pigeon books. And there's a new one coming out this September. I'm super excited. And then, um, yeah, I missed one. I was panicking and I missed. I was one short. So what about you, Bob? Um, in addition to The Very Hungry Caterpillar, I wrote Night at the Zoo, which Mm. I don't know if that's the title. Um, What I remember about it is that it's like the zookeeper and his wife are asleep. Oh, I know exactly what book you're talking about, but I can't think of the exact title. It's, um... Is it Goodnight Gorilla? Goodnight Gorilla. Yeah, Goodnight Gorilla. Because he has, he gets the zookeeper's keys and lets everybody out of their cages, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like a party (laughs) at the zoo. It's a wordless (laughs) picture book, but that one's adorable because it's like a board book. So for babies and it's just the pictures and it's a really cute one too. Um, After you said something about a controversial author, I wrote Green Eggs and Ham. Mm. Ah, Seuss. Yeah. Why were there no doubt? There are no doctors. This, this list is. I have problems with this list. Time. I think Olivia made it up today. Uh, She's yeah. going to cut this. Uh, out obviously, of the comments, it must but. like technically be some other kind of um, category. Yeah, yeah. Um, Green eggs and ham, classic. And then, since you said two had <laughs> two had moon in the title, I wrote cow jumped over the moon. Oh, there is a book where that happens. Sure, but I don't remember what it is. What is it called? I still can't believe Owl Moon. No offense, rolling with Nolan. I still can't believe that beat out Very Hungry Caterpillar. Mm-hmm. I know. And Tuesday. I mean, even maybe it was like around when that book came out or something. Uh-huh. It was people voted on it. So, but I agree with Bob. How is Doctor Seuss not on this list? I also like like Tommy DePaula books. I can't remember oh, those. Right yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, Stragonona. Oh, Stragonona. Did you say it like an Italian grandma? Stragonona. I think my mom stood it, got his autograph at an ALA conference. <gasps> I'm remembering correctly. Was your mom a public librarian, or is she still a public librarian, or is she college or medical? Or okay, well, she worked at the Harlan Hatcher Graduate Library <gasps> at U of M. Oh, very cool. But she wasn't a librarian. Mm. She was the head of serials and microforms, which was not a library position. And she got her bachelor's degree, and then her master's degree at Wayne State, and then her first. Um, position she got after a master's degree was um, working for Palm Beach County, Florida. 
uh, in their library system. So she's a public librarian, but she worked in an academic library before she was a public librarian. Okay. Is she still a librarian? She retired um, last year. Okay. Um, Yeah, you know, during the pandemic. Right. I, if I could have, I would have also sure, during the pandemic. Yeah. I was done. I flipped me over. I was done. Well, congratulations, Pops, Mom. Yeah. Librarian shout out. Yeah. What was it like being raised by a librarian? Just a dream? Well, she wasn't a librarian when I was little. Oh. Because, she was a, she yeah. She was a library staff person. Um, yeah. And even that was more like when I was in, like, in middle school, high school age. Okay. Um. So primarily when I was younger, she was a stay-at-home mom, and then she went to work at, well, she got admitted to U of M and went to work at U of M. She was a non-traditional student, and so she was kind of in a race to get her bachelor's degree a little bit before I did and get her master's degree a little bit before I did. Mm. And um, (laughs) so, yeah, she was... uh, a book enthusiast, sure. I guess, um, but not not a librarian. She was already inside her; like she had the proclivity mm-hmm. toward the librarian was inside. Yeah, mm, yeah, was there the whole the time. The spiritual librarian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was in the chrysalis, right? Cocoon. I like chrysalis. It's a good word. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite word? I mean, I'm hungry because I didn't get to take my lunch break yet. So right now, my favorite word might be taco (laughs) because I'm hungry. (laughs) But I don't have a favorite word. Mm. Do you have a particular taco in mind? Um, Have you been to Oaxaca over here? On (laughs) Yeah. They know me by name when I pick up my food, guys. That's how much I go in there. Really? Yes. Shout out to Oaxaca. They're off of Waddles and John Art. They did not sponsor this episode, but they sponsored it with their amazingness. I'm sending them all the love. I had Oaxaca for lunch yesterday. So sometimes if we have lunch together in the manager's office, we often order tacos. Before the pandemic, it was kind of a thing. We have tacos on Friday. We used to do um, uh, not buffets. What's where everybody potlucks at the old library? We used to do Mexican all the time, and it was really good. Wait, so when you guys go to Oaxaca, what do you get? Um, well, I actually created a spreadsheet to enter everybody's <laughs> yes. order. And we share chips and salsas and guac. And so yeah. it, you know, evenly distributes the costs of that among the the people ordering. Do you have spreadsheets for other aspects of your life, too? Yes. Like, Please. have you ever cataloged your home library? <gasps> um, <laughs> you just did. Well, I mean, yeah, I have I have um, a spreadsheet of books that I want to read. So, yeah, I mean, I, it'd be easier for me to tell you about the things that I don't have a spreadsheet for. I don't say this to everybody. Mm-hmm. You'd make a great librarian. <laughs> <laughs> Type A, like spreadsheets. Yeah. yeah, that's high praise. I don't just throw that around. Uh, There's yeah. an app I downloaded, I sh- but you can catalog all your books. You just like scan the bar, like mm-hmm. the you, what? whatever the this. I'll share JSBN? mine with you if you want to borrow anything. You can say all at your fingertips. I've been wondering about that. <laughs> Get it? See, ISBN. Never mind. <laughs> hey, guys. Um, <laughs> Do you know what you call a lost, lost crayon? What you're covering your mouth and face like I have bad breath that you can no, smell I'm across just the table. No, protecting myself. A strayola. <laughs> 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 but seriously, I have three, and we're gonna get through all three of these okay. jokes. What is the number one vacation spot for crayons? This one's hard. I had to think about this, and I was still wrong. Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> 
And why did the lobstermen bring crayons to the lobster fest? Crayons and lobsters. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't know, but I bet it's going to be punny. I feel like if you lived in Maine, maybe you would like jump on this, but I don't feel like we eat that much lobster here in the Midwest, so maybe it's a little tricky, but he brought the crayons to the lobster fest so he could draw butter. Uh, (laughs) i just like uh that there's a joke out there with a lobsterman as the protagonist because you just don't hear enough about lobstermen my friend was a lobsterman text these to my dad later i'll be very excited (laughs) that was a good dad joke you're welcome you can take a screenshot of this page if you need to i will all right one last thing about old crockett is that after crockett was like done with children's books he started writing no he started painting did you read about this oh the math yeah, he portraits. started painting these like beautiful paintings all based off mathematic principles. So mm-hmm. each one was like had, had based on like Euclid's do. geometric principles. Yeah, and yeah. they were really cool looking and they're in have you seen if this? I was gonna paint, that sounds like something I would do. You would do this. I would be more like a Jackson Pollock. I'd be a lazy painter. I'd just be like splattering <laughs> stuff on the wall and be like, done. <laughs> <laughs> or or I'd go to the opposite end and be like Bob Ross without the like nail of questionable the questionable nail. <laughs> Are you looking up some of the paintings so we can? Yeah, see, you want to so see, yeah? see them? Yeah, because I actually looked through a website that had quite a lot. They said he did over a hundred, and they're in like I, museums. Yeah. He was like a real painter. Yeah, I don't <laughs> uh, I don't like math at all, so this would not be mm. my thing. But they are very cool. They are cool looking. And it makes cool. me wonder like what they have to do with the, like it must have, cause paint like, so I live with a um, piano player and mm-hmm. he plays classical music and it's always been weird to me cause he's very like Bob, like he's very, what whatever side of the brain that like mathy thing is. But mm-hmm. he also is like this creative piano, piano player. And I, math and music go together. That's what I learned. I was yeah. like so much of art. We act like art is on one side and math is on the other side, but mm-hmm. it's not true at all. Like they're very similar. So here's one. I'll show you the, this is like, hmm. isn't that interesting? Oh, that's very cool. No. You know what that reminds me of sort of is Joan Miro. Juan Miro? How do you pronounce it? It's a guy. It's J-O-A-N. You are so impressive Spanish or Portuguese. Ooh, I like that. Um, so can I tell you something while you're looking at these? Another thing I learned about uh, Crockett Johnson and his wife, Ruth Krauss. Um, aside from the fact Ruth Krauss wrote The Carrot Seed, which is another super cool kids book that actually came out before um, Harold and the Purple Crayon. I love it because the kid in the carrot seed looks exactly like um, Harold, who looks exactly like um, Barnaby. Where is his name? I wrote it down. Barnaby Baxter was the comic strip. Barnaby was the comic strip that um, Crockett Johnson did in the 40s. And that kid looks like the precursor to Harold and the Purple Crayon. It looks exactly like the kid from the Carrot Seed. But anyway, both Ruth Krauss and Crockett Johnson were watched unmonitored by the FBI during the 1950s because um, Crockett Johnson was the art editor of a communist magazine called The New Masses. And although they never publicly said that they were communists, this was the time of McCarthyism in the United States. So they were monitored just to see if they had to be concerned that they were communists and that they were going to convert their neighbors. Right in those days, you You had a boring life. You were boring if they weren't watching you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Harold and the Purple Crayon will be released as a movie again in 2023. I think at the start of the year. It sounds like if it drops when it's supposed to. Oh, the other fun thing I wanted to say: Ursula Nordstrom was the director of Harper's Department of Books for Boys and Girls. She originally wrote Crockett Johnson a letter and said of this book, 
it doesn't seem to be a good children's book to me, but I'm often wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then she later kind of read it again and revisited it and talked to some other folks that worked at Harper's and decided that they would take a chance with it. So it's kind of amazing to me that this was number 11 on the list at some point of all-time children's books. I just wonder sometimes, like, what books aren't getting published because the editor, like, forgot to eat breakfast that day and they're crabby and they just don't like it. Harry Potter was... Um, she turned it into, I think the count was something crazy, like 29 or 39 publishing companies told oh her gosh. no mm-hmm. before Bloomsbury picked it up. And that's, um, I think Bloomsbury is the British scholastic. I think they're, they're, those two houses work together if I'm not mistaken, but can you imagine being the person that said no to that? And then having it be this huge sensation, your boss just coming in your office and being like, we're going to have to let you go. <laughs> I heard with the because diary of that and huge... Frank, the guy threw it out and his secretary dug it out of the trash and was like, no, you have to publish this. This is the diary of Anne Frank. <laughs> Are you should... making this story up? No. I'm just I'm kidding. I was going to make a joke about that sounds like every paper I wrote in college or high school. Like my mom would come along and be like, what did you just do? Because, you know, back we had a word processor when I was in high school. Because my mom used my grandpa's old 1960s typewriter until we got that word processor, I feel like, in the late 80s. Yeah, no, okay, now you're drawing my memory. We had a typewriter. Yeah. Um... With uh, the, you know, whiteout correction ribbon. Yes. So it was a yes. newer typewriter, not an ancient one. Yep. And so I do remember using that from time to time. Which but crazy. Yeah. Was it one of those big electric ones, like a Selectric? No, it was not that. It, it was um, it was a more mobile. I mm. think it had like a plastic case with a handle on oh, it. Oh, yeah. I, I still have my grandpa's from the 60s that I learned how to type on. I have it at my house. I want to see it. What color is it? It's like a gross tan. Color. Oh, I had like a turquoise yeah. one when I was oh, a hipster. Bougie. I was like, mm. I knew you were a hipster. I knew it. Yes. yes. Had it out of my Did you wear like an ironic little <coughs> hat on your head? I had a beanie with a Neil Young um, button mm. that I thought was like the coolest. Nope. I have pictures of myself, little selfies with my Neil Young button. I don't be don't be envious of my past self. Bob, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> <laughs> We've come full it's circle. It's been an absolute delight. <laughs> Will you come back and talk about other stuff? Sure. Anytime. Send us your Anytime. spreadsheet of all your favorite books. <laughs> Send us your spreadsheet of the books you want to read. Yeah. Right now, I'm on it. Thank you for listening to The Books We Loved, a podcast through the Troy Public Library. You can find more information about the books and library services we mentioned in the show on our website at troypl.org podcast. If you would like to suggest a topic for future discussion, please email us at podcast at troypl.org. Thank you for listening and happy reading.